1: All right, Ben, we're going to get going. Let me open this door real quick.
2: Uh, oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> hey, keep that door shut. You don't uh, want to know what's in there. Uh, by the way, day seven of no camera. Day seven of no camera. Just keep track of this, D. You'll be like day 452. People are like, just get the damn computer fixed. All right. Okay, folks, do you know how hard it is to go over to Best Buy? I just want to share that. It's not that easy. You got to get the car. You got to, then you got to deal with that guys. Ah, oh, they're so, what's the word, D? You know what I mean? They like, can be so arrogant. They're like, they're supposed to help you. What do they call them? Like the geek squad? They yeah, go, L- the L- geek squad. Yeah, like you did something wrong. Then they ask you a question you know, they know you won't know the answer to. And then they look at you like, well, of course. You didn't think of that. Hey, you sold me a computer. You said it would work, and it's not working.
1: Sorry, D. Listeners, that's a quick lesson on how to lose a Best Buy
2: sponsorship right there. Oh, my God. Was that in the office? Gosh darn it. I, I take it all back. It's gone Please now. Please send money. It's gone now. Hey, How's our uh, deal to get Greg Hyde's in the show? How's that working? I know you've been reaching that's out. It's going horribly. You bring him up every time about how he plays poker. Oh, Lord. I just saw he had the big scoop about Lori. Light. Guys, the world is utterly insane. Absolutely insane. I I. I try to keep a smile on my face, but it's really difficult. Murder and just greed and just coups. And just, it's just a horrible world out there. But so, Chicago, like the things, the weird things we do in Chicago, which used to outrage me, D, have now, they like give me momentary diversion from it. As in, the city of Chicago is proposing to keep the bears in Chicago, to put a dome over Soldier Field. So, of course, they go to Cranes. They only get to Cranes. All right, Ben, you're... Me- oh, my goodness, a dome over... Seriously, D, a dome over Soldier Field? Is that your solution? You're going to just, like, spend money? Having the Bears in Chicago is so important. You're going to put a...
3: dome. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, D, I,
2: I didn't mean to go I'm sorry.
1: We, we go to the players for their thoughts on a dome. I just get so cold and chilly.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. That's why you redid... <laughs> you redid Soldier Field back in 2000. I remember this, Chicago. That's how old I am. It's like, Bears fans have terrible bathrooms we need to improve our bathrooms for barefoot I thought you guys are so tough barefoot monsters of the midway ooh, ooh, ooh,
3: ooh.
2: no wonder you can 't beat Green Bay you worry about the bathrooms well oh, I didn 't
1: think our show would start off this way but hey your Vjarovsky show for Wednesday July 6th is brought to you by not Best Buy <laughs> SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana the Chicago Federation of Labor the Chicago Teachers Union and Chicago Reader Reader chicagoreader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke and so much more including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky, Chicago Reader Reader chicagoreader.com and if you want to help out this program you can chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky J-O-R-A V as in victory S-K-Y It is Wednesday, July 6th, and this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, I just sent him a Google Meet invite. (laughs) Chicago reader. What what am I talking about? Chicago legend. Monroe Anderson. I'll be editing that. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) That (laughs) Also on the program, Mark Wallace. Yes! And now your host, (laughs) Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky.
2: Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Tucker Defense Wednesday, and here's why. All right, folks. I know I say don't listen to Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson, the talking head for MAGA on Fox. I know I say that. And I know many of you out there advise me, Ben, whatever you do, don't listen to Tucker. Can't help myself. Okay. To quote the fork tops. So, and I, let's, you know, this is my, my defense, the DL Hewley defense. He posted it on Instagram. So blame DL Hewley. So DL Hewley posted on Instagram, a clip of the tuckster uh, t- defending. It was like, he was like finding his inner criminal defense lawyer. It was like, he was making an appeal to the jury on the behalf of Robert Crimo, who is of course, Uh, Well, he's actually been charged in the murder of seven people in Highland Park. Uh, He was the one who uh, allegedly, the sniper, who climbed to the top of a store in downtown uh, Highland Park uh, to a building in downtown Highland Park and just started shooting people. Killed seven people, injured 30 others. Anyway, so as you can imagine, in the aftermath of the horrific uh, killing, on the 4th of July, at a 4th of July parade, there's been a call for gun control. More gun control. I'm not even allowed to say gun control anymore, D, because that like, hurts it. I've been told that many times. Gun safety. Whatever. Sensible gun rules. There's been a call for that. And the tuckster is against any kind of gun control, apparently. Uh, and uh, so he has to figure out a way to talk his way out. Usually they would just ignore it. Uh, or maybe they would just blame it on Democrats somehow or other. Uh, he has to figure out a way uh, to get around uh, calling for uh, gun control. Sorry, gun safety. And uh, so he, he delivers what sounds like a defense attorney's plea on behalf of Robert Crimo. Like we got the final plea to the jury, like let this guy off because it's not his fault. And he starts like running down the list of all the people that are to be blamed for the slaughter of seven. In Highland Park, all the people to be blamed for the slaughter of the seven, none of whom are Robert Crimo and none of whom have anything to do with the manufacture and the sale of the gun that Crimmo used to slaughter, allegedly, seven people. Well, seven people were slaughtered, but allegedly Crimo did it. I'm listening to this, Dean. I'm like, where is this compassion on behalf of defendants? When it comes to people just routinely locked up in the city of Chicago, I mean, it's such a bizarre and twisted world we live in, ladies and gentlemen. Essentially, uh, what it came down to, uh, it's the fault of the high school counselors. Somehow or other, the high school counselors misled Crimo, uh and people like him into uh, the point where they decide they have to kill people. That I mean, that's the twisted logic of the Tucker, the Tuckster. Tucker Carlson. And I, I mentioned all this uh, not to promote Tucker Carlson. Like, he <laughs> he needs promotion for an obscure uh, podcaster operating out of his attic overlooking an alley. No, not that he needs promotion like the most listened-to guy in the world. Well, maybe. I don't know. Who has more listeners, D, Tucker or Joe Rogan? I think. Well, uh,
1: that's like a different, they're like different mediums, right? This is, One's like cable TV, and the other's like Spotify, some internet thing. Yeah, so you don't know who has more listeners.
2: You know what, if I were Joe Rogan, I'd go, Jamie, look that up. <laughs> First of all, folks, it's really hard to say that to Dennis because he's wearing sunglasses right now. <laughs> it's crazy. Anyway, so I got to go back to Tucker Carlson. So the reason I mentioned this is not to give a promotion to Tucker Carlson. It doesn't need it. It really wouldn't benefit from my uh, small lefty audience. It's to point out what we are up against. And by we, I mean like people who more or less believe in civilization. Like uh, he has tens of millions of followers and listeners. And like, that's the talking point. They had to figure out a way to talk their way out of this horrific killing. And I don't see it happen on the lefty. I just, I just don't see it happen on the, I don't see lefties like looking for talk. Like when somebody in the left does something really bad, I, I'm just speaking for myself. My impulse is not to like, look for a talking point to talk my way out of it. It's just not my impulse. Maybe that's way that that Chicago journalism, we were taught Chicago journalism, sometimes I think they go too far, a lot of Chicago journalists. A lot of Chicago journalists, I'm going to reveal a little secret, let the cat out of the bag. Whee, whee, I haven't done that in a while. Oh, yeah, that was uh, a throwback. That's <laughs> a throwback. A lot of Chicago journalists, uh, if you just talk to them, you know, get away from the microphone and just talk to them, you find that they're kind of liberal, you know? but they're so afraid of being accused of letting their liberal beliefs get in the way of their journalism. They're harder on liberal politicians. Than they aren't conservative politicians. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't care. I love pounding them. Darren Bailey. But, you know, a lot. Of the, so they go after liberals. And that's kind of thing you're trained. It's put in your brain. I've been here for a long time working... Even lefty journalism. I've been always in lefty journalism doing my thing for the reader, an alternative newspaper, an old hippie newspaper. Oh,
1: such a hippie you
2: are. <laughs> oh, my God. Gee, can you believe I'm doing this for so long? I'm like, wow. 40 years. Anyway, uh, even I like feel compelled to criticize liberals. <laughs> well, really, that's all I did for like 30 years. So, I mean, because... Didn't spend a lot of time writing national news in the 90s and the O's. Really, I spent my time criticizing the liberals who ran the city of Chicago. So it's bred into us. But right wingers, man, they don't play. MAGA doesn't play. Tucker Carlson, they got to figure out a way to talk. He he has to figure out a way to talk his way out of a real obvious, obvious problem that our country has, which is there's way too many guns out there. And nobody knows who has them. There's no real oversight over the sale of them. And uh, all kinds of people are settling all kinds of issues, if you will. Just the most euphemistic way of saying it by shooting people, you know, whatever resentments you have. You're going to go up in the, the top of a, a, a building to start gunning down people. The Fourth of July parade. You got the gun, even though there's supposedly red flag laws that would keep someone like you from getting the gun. Your father like co-signed the deal. This is just some of the details emerging about how criminal got that weaponry. And uh, it happens all over uh, the city of Chicago. Differences are settled. Oh, you don't like, you feel disrespected by someone, you take out a gun, you shoot them. There, yeah, that takes care of that. And, but somehow or other, all that carnage out there, all those people slaughtered, is not connected to the proliferation of guns. So we're, we're not allowed to draw the connection the obvious connection between the carnage caused by the guns and the guns we are censored. We're not allowed to talk about that. We're not allowed to pass legislation on that because what that's unfair. That goes against this cultist love for weaponry. So anyway, so I'm watching you now. How is Tucker Carlson going to deal with this? And he's this rambling attack on every lefty, like caricature he could come up with including the high school counselor who is somehow responsible for preaching i don't know leftist ideology to this poor kid uh, unbelievable it was like a closing argument by a defense lawyer trying to get his client probably if Not unlike, not unlike, it's just certain general themes, ladies and gentlemen, what Johnny Cochran did on behalf of O.J. Simpson in the 90s. I'm on my mind because before the show, as typical, Dennis did some Norm MacDonald jokes, (laughs) including some vintage ones from the 90s on O.J. Simpson. It just brings back. And I just the same kind of just kind of like divert the jury's attention from the crime and try to get the jury angry at some of the things that really irritate them. I think the issues at stake in uh, the OJ case in terms of like racism and police relations with the black community were way more legitimate than what T- Tucker Carlson was invoking, but it's the same kind of principle. Anything to divert the attention from the actual crime. And Norm MacDonald made fun of it throughout the 90s, got fired from NBC for doing so. Made fun of it when it was was, uh, Johnny Cochran doing that on behalf of OJ. And I remember so many people in America were outraged, absolutely outraged, that Johnny Cochran would use those tactics on behalf of a murderer And now here we are in the year 2022 and I'm watching Tucker Carlson. Who's probably the most watched creature on television. I don't know if he has a bigger listenership than Joe Rogan. My guess is that uh, Rogan, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, Jamie is looking that up right now and we'll probably have a response by uh, the end of the show. No, he won't. Uh, And, um, But I do know that some of the same tactics and similarities uh, between Johnny Cochran and Tucker Carlson, how we got from there to here, the same people that were screaming and yelling when uh, Johnny Cochran did it are now cheering Tucker on. These are crazy times. Monroe Anderson! (laughs) There
3: he is! Yes.
2: All right, a little delay. I was getting a little worried. I had a technical challenge. Oh. I hate technical challenges. Yeah, right. Uh, right. Mun- Monroe Anderson is joining us, uh, and I uh, was a little worried about him. You know, we 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 have no secrets on the Jarovsky show. I, I won't lie to you, Monroe. You didn't uh, come on right away. I was getting a little nervous. I always get a little. Where am I? where's Monroe? Co- in the age of COVID, always get a little nervous. Uh, also reached out to Mark Wallace, will be joining us <clears throat> very shortly uh you he's a uh a talk show host himself podcaster and uh an activist uh in the city of chicago particularly on red light cameras he has a lot of uh things to say about violence
3: and politics he also is a businessman
2: yeah he's a smart guy very smart guy I should have him i uh, i should have him on the show more often so i'm going to hold off on the uh uh the, the conversation about uh, highland park violence uh, and guns, etc. to Mark joins us. Uh, and I'm going to talk with, Monroe about January 6th insurrection, Donald Trump and, um, the convictions that he has had Monroe Anderson that slowly but surely, uh, The feds will come after Trump. The congressional investigators will come up with Trump. For the longest time, I've been saying no way. Uh, The Democrats are too chicken. Uh, Merrick Garland's afraid of his shadow. Uh, There's there's no way. Republicans have intimidated them. Well, I actually may be wrong uh, in some ways, as much as it pains me uh, to confess that Monroe is maybe right and I'm wrong. Uh, Slowly, very slowly particularly in terms of the congressional investigators. And this is why November is so important, people. You want them to get away with it? Don't vote in November, okay? Because Monroe will tell you right now, if the Republicans take back the House, they're not only ending this investigation, they're going to divert your attention with an impeachment trial against Joey Biden. We know that's coming, right, Monroe? We know that's coming. right? Uh, Last week, we talked in depth about Cassidy Hutchinson. Uh, the former White House aide who testified that Donald Trump was supporting, basically cheering on the insurrectionists, wanted them armed, was mad at any attempt uh, to prevent armed insurrectionists from coming to his rally. Uh, wanted to uh, go to the uh, the Capitol and join them in overtaking the Capitol and forcing Mike Pence uh, to uh, what make him Donald Trump emperor of the country. If that wasn't a coup, I don't know what it is. Uh, now there's talk that Patrick Sipolani, uh, who was Donald Trump's chief attorney in the White House, White House counsel, uh, and his top aide may be called upon to testify by the, the January 6th uh, investigators. You know, there've been a lot of chatter Monroe that uh, he wouldn't do it because claiming executive privilege, he wouldn't do it claiming uh, attorney client privilege, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, but, I haven't had an update lately. I just, the morning's newspapers told me that he may testify, and that is key.
3: He, he is going to testify. He is going to testify.
0: Go but ahead. But in,
3: in a closed session and with limitations.
2: Jeez. There you go.
3: Now, why? Help me
2: out here, Monroe. Help me. Give me the, the explanation why closed testimony and what limits. If you know of a crime, if you have evidence of a crime, why aren't you testifying in front of the public
3: so people know the truth? Go ahead. Myrtle. I'm sure that his argument is oh, yeah. um, lawyer client privileges that uh, he was, he, and I, and I, and I I'm speculating on this, um, to the extent of, um, actually he's, uh, he's, uh, he's supposed to be our lawyer, not Trump's. That is correct. But, um, his, uh, his, his, his defense is that he was, he was Trump's lawyer. And therefore there are certain things that he can't or won't disclose. Wow.
2: Then why go into, uh,
3: if you can't
2: disclose them, here's, yeah. a, here, here's the logic, makes no sense. Right. Like everything else in this country is illogical. If right. you are going to maintain that there's a confidentiality that protects you from revealing conversations that you had with the lunatic in charge of our country, Donald Trump. Uh, if you're going to maintain that, then that same confidentiality would prevent you from talking in closed session. That's the point. I'm like, what are you going to say in closed session that you wouldn't say in open session? What are you going to say to the, the Congress people when nobody else can hear them, except the Congress people that you wouldn't tell the American people? Go ahead.
3: Right. Right. Well, he he th- this was his negotiation. And they want the, the thing is, the one and only thing they really I mean, they want a lot from him. But the one and only thing they want most is if Trump knew those people were armed would he told them to go to the Capitol. That's that's that, that's that's what they really need. The rest of the stuff is is um icing on the cake. Yeah. And, and so that's the question they want to ask him, and that's the question he will have to answer. And you and I already know the answer to that, so <laughs> uh well, it's not a secret. <laughs>
2: And the answer to that is
3: he knew that they were armed. That's why he wanted them to go to the Capitol. And that's why he wanted to lead them. He wanted to march in like Mussolini announcing that he was in charge it was his government and um, Biden can, can um, get the hell out of here. Yeah,
2: that is so good. That is so true. March in like Mussolini. That was his fantasy. You're right, Monroe. Yeah, that, that was his fantasy he Had to be backed by these insurrectionists with pistols strapped to their waists. Uh, yeah. And the Secret Service would be in company. What are they even protecting? So, like, if you're a Secret Service person at that moment,
3: who are you protecting? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, but the thing is, these organizations, these agencies are made up of humans. That's their composition, human beings. And so, in that Secret Service agency, there there are some Secret Service people who are Trump's protectors, and there are others who are the President's protectors and the Constitution's protectors. And um, so, the, the guy who was protecting Pence. Protected pits, and the guys who were protecting Trump were protecting Trump.
2: Well, that's very bizarre. Uh, I know, no, it's, Trump's, it's Trump, Trump like up, everything he,
3: else. Yeah, he screwed up everything, and and he he took the guardrails down from a lot of things, and he has made it obvious that some of this stuff needs to be turned into law instead of tradition. Because if it's not, there will be another Trump uh, um, 20 years from now or whenever who will will have studied and taken notes on the mistakes Trump made and um, would make sure not to make those same mistakes.
2: Yeah, yeah. although I don't know. Part of Trump's uh, success, I think the greatest part of his success actually, uh, is his just... uh, willingness to act without hesitation and uh, to re, uh, to regard or respect any uh, rules they don't apply to him, say whatever he wants, uh, immediately counterattack, uh, degrade anybody who gets in his way, blowing up all protocol. It began, well. Uh, the first time I, I saw it on a full scale is when he went after uh, the parents' Of a soldier who was killed, and uh, they were uh, Muslims. Remember that, oh,
3: Monroe? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. The Star family. Yeah. But the father yeah. says, "I got a copy of the Constitution yes. in my pocket. I'll loan it to him. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
2: and uh, Mark Wallace is joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Wallace is joining. I'm going to bring him on in a little bit. Uh, he's ready to talk Trump to Monroe. I don't know. Say I uh, unfairly to Mark Wallace. I got to say this, Monroe. Before we uh, officially bring him on, I said, "Oh, he knows Chicago. He's a Chicago guy." There before the show, doing pre-show prep, he has some theories about Trump that blew my mind. I was like, whoa, give us the bog out. I got to I gotta run this by Monroe uh, when uh, we're on. So I'm going to let Mark do his uh, Trump theory. It's a fascinating theory. Uh, and then Monroe, get your response to it.
3: Hey, well, uh, you know, I, I, a couple of years ago, I quoted Mark on your show when we were talking uh, mark 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 has has this observation that no republican has um, been elected president since um who was it um bush no it was early in that well mark is here so he, he can discuss his theory better than i can discuss his theory all right so, but but i i i agreed with it and um you try to argue with me because that's that's your 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 default position. So. <laughs> oh
2: my goodness! Well, let's see the abuse I take from Monroe Anderson. All right, but before let's just clarify this is a really important point uh, about a uh, uh, Cipollone, the uh, president's counsel. Uh, yeah. But you make a very another compelling point that he's really the people's counsel. So if he's there at a public dime, I can understand if Donald Trump's private lawyer. Who's being paid for with Donald Trump's money has a, uh, attorney-client privilege. I'm not quite sure how the White House counsel, who's paid for, who's probably on the public payroll, I don't know, understand how he has uh, that same privilege. But he,
3: he doesn't. But yeah, he can he can make the legal argument. Okay. Which would call for to go to court
2: and drag it out
3: and drag it out. And, yeah. um, by the time they got resolved, um, there may be a, a Republican house. Yes. And so they would just, uh, they just will get, they will just get rid of it all Yeah, and, I, and start I, their I, Biden
2: investigation. Yes. I understand the strategy. I understand, uh, the tactic that they're uh, following. Uh, and, uh, The the, the change, I think, uh, to a certain degree, was uh, Cassidy Hutchinson. Right. uh, Her compelling testimony last week uh, of what she saw and heard inside the belly of the beast. Yeah. And so, uh, Cipollone, I think, from a personal standpoint, would love to come before uh, the public and explain that he was not part of that beast, he was there but he was arguing against what Trump wanted to do. I think from a personal standpoint, he would want to advance that. So I don't know, still clinging his, to his loyalty to Trump. You should have listened to Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen said it two years ago, Monroe, anybody who remains loyal to Donald Trump is going to re- wind up like in an alley somewhere, metaphorically speaking, with a knife in their back.
3: Michael Cohen said well, right. that. Well, you know, there's a book out by a Former Republican. and The title of the book is "Everything Touch." Everything Trump touches dies. Yes, that's the title to the yeah.
2: book. So, uh, so essentially, what you're saying uh, is the most compelling piece of evidence or testimony uh, that Cipollone could offer is that, effectively, Cassie Hutchinson was correct. Uh, Donald Trump said. Do not take the guns away from my MAGA insurgents. They are not there to harm me. They are there to harm, by implication, someone else. Uh, and uh, he was very much for uh, encouraging and leading the insurrection of the Capitol in order to pressure Mike Pence and declare, to, to declaring that the winner, quote, right. I have that in quotes, of the November presidential election was 2020, uh, was not, in fact, the man who got the most votes, but the man who lost, Donald Trump. That's your yes. position?
3: And, and and there's also, and I'm pretty sure this is Se- um call to um, um, Cassie that um, don't go to the Capitol Hill. Uh, we... we um, we we will we will have broken every law um conceivable or something imaginable. I'm 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 paraphrasing, but um he 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 knew that what they were doing was illegal and he yeah. told Trump as much.
2: Well I hope he uh goes full Monty. Uh by that, I mean, I I hope he strips down and parades naked (laughs) through the White House uh, as in the movie, The Full Monty. But that uh, forget the camp, forget the closed session, forget the caution, forget the hesitancy. If you're going to tell the truth, if you're going to waive uh, an attorney client privilege that I personally don't believe really exists in this matter. But if you're going to waive that for the purpose of closed testimony, do it so everyone can hear it. You follow me, Monroe. Don't,
3: yeah, I know, I know. don't hide. And that, and, you know, and that may come. You know, it's it, this may be a strip tease. You, know, you take a little bit, you show a little bit now, and you're gonna take off more later or something. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, you know, the the thing is, they have a thousand more. They've interviewed more than a thousand people. So wow. the the January sixth committee knows. They're not asking any questions anymore. They know what the answers are to all this stuff, but they're just getting more witnesses. They're building public consensus. They're educating the public and, and getting them accustomed to the idea that Trump is the crook that we know he is. Yeah. So, right, so this is a process that they're, they're going through with this and, um, um, Kenzie, Kenzie, um, Adam Kinzinger. Yeah, yeah. He says that they're getting more calls every day where people say, Oh, well, I didn't think this was important, but this might help you out here. <laughs> what do you think? And so it's, it's, it's the, the snowball is halfway down yeah. the hill and All picking right. up speed.
2: Uh, I'm going to we'll bring uh, uh, Mark Wallace into the conversation. Love to hear what he has to say about this. Before we do, I just want to remind everybody. Every segment that Monroe and I do, we always say the same thing. We understand America. We understand that the cult that is MAGA is not going to be moved by anything they hear during these investigations. The cult that is MAGA is not going to be moved by anything that is outside the cult. I understand that. But if I'm to have faith in the survival of democracy in this country, Mark Wallace and Monroe, I have to believe that the MAGA cult is a minority of voters, that the majority of voters, even if they voted, some of them voted for Donnie Trump in 2020 and 2016, do not support these kinds of initiatives. So I'm looking at the rest of the country. That's why Monroe and I think it's so important uh, that these hearings happen. Uh, and that America is forced, dragged, kicking and screaming away from their TV sets, Mark Wallace, to pay attention to what was, in my humble opinion, an attempted coup. Your general, first of all, welcome to the show, Mark Wallace, and your general views on this topic.
0: Well, <clears throat> Ben, thank you for uh, inviting me and thank you for having me on the show. It's always good to be here. Uh, and certainly, Monroe, it's good to see you as well. Well, um, thank um, uh, my, my general... Uh, view on this is is that, yeah, there is a minority uh, of voters, uh, but there's a larger segment of people who are not even voters that have been indoctrinated uh, by uh, this, or at least um, Donald Trump has given license to people who have had this underpinning of rage and hate uh, for the progression of this country um, in in their bellies. If you really look at a lot of the people who, uh, at least that they showed us, who um, were uh, charged with the insurrection and rioting, a lot of those people came from very rural areas. There are a few people uh, that they, you know, came from, places like metropolitan cities like Chicago. But a lot of them came from rural areas. And these are people who they've maintained uh, this level of uh, low level of thinking and hate and rage. Um, But Donald Trump gave them license uh, to act out their, um, you know, their underpinned rage and hate and bitterness uh, because he was the president of the United States, the most, you know, influential and powerful person at that time uh, behaving the same way. So he gave license uh, to those people to conduct themselves in such a way. Uh, And they felt a sense of freedom that they have not felt uh, in, in many of their lifetimes, And so this was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Donald Trump gave them that, uh, and they did not want to give it up uh, at the risk of overtaking the entire government.
2: Wow. Now, Mark, uh, when you and I were chatting before uh, the show, uh, you put the word unintended uh, in front of license, and Uh I wrote it down. Uh, You did not put unintended in front of the word license this time around. Uh, was that intended uh, on your part? Had, had, did you think about the notion of unintended license and just complete and total license? Uh, well,
0: you know, I no, because I, I, I was separating the two because there is an there's an unintended license that I think that has given to the extremism uh, to go out and to commit these heinous types of um, uh, atrocities that we see happening that are just escalating um, month by month, week by week with people who um, are feeling whatever um, uh, bitterness or whatever uh, uh, problems that they're having. Donald Trump's uh, position as president and his behavior has given people who have these proclivities to violence, uh, I believe an unintended license to go out and commit these heinous crimes because they believe uh, that he has given them uh, the way to go and do that. So that's what I, when I say unintended license to to that sort of thing, I think he certainly has given a license to these people who uh, believe that they're entitled to conduct themselves that way and that uh, that is what this company or this country uh, is founded upon, those so-called freedoms.
2: Uh, yes, and uh, I, I I must uh, make this uh, amend what I said, uh, to be fair to what you told me on the phone. We were actually having a conversation about uh, Robert Crimo, uh, who's been uh, charged with killing seven people in Highland Park. Uh, and uh, that's when you specifically use the word unintended license. So, uh, yes, that's important clarification. I agree with uh, the point that Mark Wallace just made, Monroe. Your response?
3: I think that Danny don't give a damn. So it's, uh, it's 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 an intended. He he re- remember during his campaign when he was running for president. He would tell people to beat the hell out of somebody, mm-hmm. and he would pick up their their legal fees if uh, if they got arrested for it. So uh, anything done in his name in his favor is okay with him. Yeah. That's how that's that's why we had more people die of COVID than any place in the in the in the world uh, because he didn't care. Yeah, that's why he had he, he when told that his crowd was armed and dangerous. He said, "Let them in. We're going. To, we're going to the Capitol building." He does not care.
2: Uh, yeah, he yeah. according to Cassidy H- Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony, he said they're not here to harm me. Right. That's what he said. Right. They're not here to harm me. And right. that's, what, uh, that's why I believe that everybody who uh, heard him say that, if he actually said that, uh, should testify. Shouldn't hide behind executive privilege, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, Mark Wallace Monroe, I began the show uh, talking about a clip I heard of Tucker Carlson uh, defending, this is all, basically the only way to put it, uh, defending Robert Crimo. Uh, with the assertions that he was driven to do that. Uh, and so Tucker Carlson was trying to looking for a villain that he could find. Uh, and he essentially blamed it on high school counselors who um, told uh, Robert Kermo He just made this stuff up, by the way, Mark Wallace Monroe. I, have n- I can guarantee you that Tucker Carlson has no idea has never talked to a high school counselor at Highland Park High School wherever, or wherever criminal went. He was just making it up as he went along. This guy's a lot more people listen to him, Mark Wallace, and will listen to you or me at any given moment. He was making it, it, stuff up going well, like, go I mean, on.
3: That's it. because you tell the truth. You instead of <laughs> giving them bedtime stories.
2: Well, I, you know what? I got to get your guys' reaction to this because you weren't on the air when I said this. But I just remember, I'm old enough to remember the OJ case. Yes. And with Johnny Cochran uh, diverted attention from the actual crime that was committed to the larger sins of society in a way to appeal to the jurors, not to, like, send a message, a larger message to America by acquitting O.J. Right. So many white
3: people in America were outraged. Oh, yeah. No, they outraged. They, they, they destroyed his uh, trophies that they, they had. White people did. They were destroying OJ, uh, his, his guy, what What's the college trophy? Heisman he, Trophy. Uh, a Heisman. Yeah, the Heisman. They destroyed the Heisman. So no, they were upset. They were upset.
2: Uh, but now I'm watching. Uh, <laughs> I'm watching Tucker Carlson, essentially making a similar type of psychological appeal. Well, don't pay attention to the murder of seven people. Think about the outrage you feel about what some mythical. High school counselor may have said uh, to Robert Crimo. Uh Mark Wallace, your thoughts.
0: Well, uh, I think Tucker Carlson. You know that's what their his production uh, uh, meetings are about every day is to how they can um, um, sensationalize. Uh, real events and distort the truth. I think that's the only way that they can get viewers, um, and yeah, and they right, attract right grievance. He's playing right. right grievance uh, exactly, um, and and they that's that is their platform um, that they can go to because that's that's what he plays to. Um, but I think that it's also to distract from the real issue. Uh, of that this country's um, addiction to the perversion uh, of and the bastardization of the Second Amendment to say that people have a right to a warlike weapon in a so-called civilized society, Uh, that they don't want to have that conversation, they don't want to have that substantive conversation as being the real problem. Um, And I think that they will do everything to lie, steal, cheat, uh, distract the attention and divert the attention from the real issue of that nobody needs to own or have a semi-automatic weapon or an assault warlike weapon inside the bounds of the United States of America. That is the real issue.
2: Do you feel, uh, Mark, uh, again, that most Americans, when it comes to an election, will agree with you on that point and would vote uh, accordingly? Or do you think of most Americans are on the other side of that position?
0: No, I think that most Americans are, are on the side uh, uh, of the point that I just made. Unfortunately, um, there is a minority uh, of Americans uh, in, a, uh, in certain states um, that uh, elect senators that will not voice uh, that of the majority of Americans. Uh, listen, America is 4% of the world's population, yet we have 40% of the world's guns and only 39 percent of americans owned over 300 million guns so two-thirds of americans don't even have guns
2: uh, all right i uh want to tie uh these issues together uh we'll talk a little bit about uh the shootings that took place on the fourth of july monroe i did not send this to you uh i sent it to mark so uh You didn't get this cheat sheet, unfortunately. Mark did. And um, there were these letters to the editors of Today's Sun-Times, which I found very interesting. Uh, There were, so I'm counting them out, uh, one, two, three, four letters. And uh, I don't know who these people are. Never heard of any of them. They wrote in. They gave their opinions. I thought there was some relevancy into each one of these letters. Uh, I'm going to randomly pick one of the letters uh, to start with, and I will read it. Uh, And then, Mark, I'll go to you and get your thoughts as to whether you agree or disagree with the sentiments expressed uh, in this letter. So this is a letter to Today's Sun-Times from a woman named Louise, and she writes, uh, When when the Kyle Ritten houses of the world are acquitted on all charges and afterward invited by the ex-president to visit him at his luxury resort and military-style weapons are made more and more available to just about anyone who wants them, These mass shootings are only going to get worse. We are teaching those who may have leanings toward this kind of behavior that there are no consequences for their actions. In fact, they are now being hailed as heroes, uh, well, at least at Mar-a-Lago, where this kind of behavior is encouraged and applauded. Kyle Rittenhouse. I wholeheartedly agreed with this particular letter, Mark. Uh, the, The making of him into a hero. Uh, by uh, MAGA. Uh, I'm wondering how long before they make Robert Crimo uh, uh, to a hero. Mark, your thoughts.
0: Well, uh, Donald Trump uh, is the one who um, is making Kyle Rittenhouse um, a hero and uh, he will do the same thing um, about uh, uh, Crimo. Um, And I I, want to uh, just make one correction there her name is Louise not Louise mm. um, and the reason why I'm making that, that that correction is because every one of the letters that you uh, will read uh, came from white people these didn't come from Spanish people or black people they all came from white people whether they were over, over in Europe or in this country and I thought, thought that's, that's significant to point out uh, number one so um, but you know, back to I absolutely agree uh, with this, and I think that this uh, uh, this sentiment is um, widespread in the majority of people in this in the world, uh, for that matter. Uh, you know, much less the United States of America uh, that have this view, but. Uh, this is the way for people like Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlson, and Donald Trump to keep themselves relevant, um, in into uh, to the eyes of of those people that are loyal to them. I mean, Donald Trump is the Jim Jones of today of a certain segment of people. They will drink whatever poison that he puts out uh, and he can tell them that it's gonna be Kool-Aid and you're gonna have life everlasting. They will take it um, uh, wholeheartedly knowing that it's strychnine. Mm.
2: Uh, yes, Jim Jones, the Reverend, who led his followers into uh the jungles of Guyana back in nineteen seventy eight Mark Wallace, you and I are old uh i uh I just have to get you to follow up on something i I think I know what you were getting at, but I want to hear you uh elaborate a little bit. Uh, all these letter writers are white people, and I work with your assumption based on where they live uh that that is the case in their names uh and you said that's significant to point out. Why do you say it's significant to point that out?
0: Because I think it's significant to point it out because I think that when these types of things uh, are discussed, they are discussed in black and white. And that is also relevant. But I also think that there is a large segment of the white population and the white community who also see this as a significant problem and that this is just not a black Community's problem uh, they see this um, uh, as a much bigger problem than what some of the other proponents of of the nra and guns try to make this seem as though that this is a mental illness problem or this is a black community uh problem it is not mm-hmm. uh, so that's why i think it's significant to to know that these are people who look like most of them come uh live in upper middle-class communities. Burbank is an upper middle-class community. Glen Ellen is an upper middle-class community. Um, I'm not sure where the person from Amsterdam, but I'm sure it's not in the slums. Um, So I I just think that that is important, uh, you know, to put in context of the conversation because sometimes um, this gets, um, you know, just discussed in uh black or white uh and the real the real substance of the discussion gets lost in that absolutely monroe your
3: thoughts wow okay Bur, Bur, I, I, i'm pretty sure that burbank is not an upper middle class neighborhood it's more it, it used to be working class um It may have moved up a little bit to middle just regular middle class, but it's not upper and there's a possibility i I didn't get the list so i'm I'm just going off of some things i've I've known it, and and I, at one point, I wrote a column for the Sun Times, so Amsterdam may in fact be Amsterdam. <laughs> As in Europe. No, it is. The le- yeah. uh, there are four. Le- okay, just so th- th-
2: let everybody yeah. in on it. There were four yeah. letters in today's Sun Times on the issue of the uh, the Fourth of July shootings in Highland Park. One yeah. came from a gentleman named Mark in Palos Hills. Okay. All right. The other came from a gentleman named Daniel in Glen Ellen. Uh, Luis L O U I S E. To clarify, uh, is from. Burbank, which I believe is a suburb of Burbank, okay,
3: so he, he, and then uh, is Amsterdam is, in the,
2: as in the Netherlands, somebody yeah, wrote right. in from the Netherlands right. uh, in Europe. Go ahead.
3: Right, exactly. But the thing, you know, the, the thing is, there's this among, depending on who the white person is, there's this whole mentality about uh, the, the blacks are the savages, and that's why they need to be on the south side. And West Side, and they need to keep all their uh, social um, d- disabilities in that area. So, if, they, um, if if you recall, about three weeks ago, there was a shooting in Old Town, which is an upper middle class community. And this woman, they interviewed this woman on TV. I don't know if you saw the interviews, but she was so upset and so disgusted. She said she wasn't staying here in Chicago anymore. She was going to the suburbs or she didn't have to worry about this. Well, July 4th demonstrated graphically to us that there's no such thing as a safe haven mm-hmm. in America from gunfire anymore. Well, it's 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 everywhere and anywhere, and, and you can't imagine when or how it will manifest itself. Uh,
2: well, to your point, uh, Monroe, it's almost like you read this letter before without having seen it. The letter from Mark in Palos Hills, which I uh, sent to Mark Wallace as well, so he's already uh, got an opportunity to read it. Yeah. Uh, this is the letter. This. I was this, this, this is the letter that ran today sometimes. The tragedy that unfolded during Highland Park's 4th of July parade is unimaginable. But I have to say, the gunfire that erupted in the affluent northern suburb Monday should be an eye-opener to those Illinoisans and other Americans who keep complaining that these mass shootings are just a Chicago problem. This incident is proof that gun violence is not just a problem in Chicago or Cook County. Authorities said the suspected gunman had used a high-powered rifle in the bloodbath, which is why he was able to shoot so many people in such a short amount of time. Assault weapons need to be banned. They are only good for these kinds of shootings. Hopefully, this will be a wake-up call for things to change in this country. No one would ever have thought that this would happen in a suburb with multi-million Dollar homes little changes when these kinds of shootings happen in black communities but now that it's happening in a community that is mostly white and affluent let's see if things will change now it's for mark in palos hills i'll go to our guest mark wallace uh mark do you think things will change because the locale of the shootings has changed
0: No, they didn't change when it happened in Sandy Hook when it was 22 uh, white children. Mm -hmm. Uh, It didn't change in Parkland uh, uh, when it was 17 uh, mostly white children uh, and uh, teachers that were killed down in Coral Springs, Florida. They they call it uh, Parkland, but it's really Coral Springs, uh, Florida, right outside of uh, uh, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, just before you're heading into uh, Pompano, so it's not going. It's not going to change. Um, I don't think the locale uh, has any significance whatsoever in, in terms of, of the people who are in position to do something about it. They will always deflect it to something else. I mean, my God, um, this morning I heard Mitch McConnell's stupid. Uh, Uh, remarks about mental illness, Uh, and that is what he said that the problem is. It's mental illness, Um, which I think is an insult to the the, the people who are dealing with mental illness. Most people who have mental illness are not violent people. They are not going out uh, and stabbing people to death, multiple people to death, and they're not going out and committing these heinous types of atrocities. Uh, So it's not going to not going to change as long as you have people like Mitch McConnell, who uh, is the the minority leader, who is in government. um, In my opinion, the next time that this happens, and I guess it's going to be a matter of days or weeks before we get a report of the next mass shooting. um, That, uh, in my opinion, uh, the blood is right at his footsteps every time that this happens. And people like him.
2: I uh, And I would hope that Democrats make that clear. Uh, to that point, I uh, appreciate the comments uh, that J.B. Pritzker made uh, the other day. And I'm disappointed in the comments that Joe Biden or his initial comments, uh, Mark Wallace and Monroe. But uh, I, it's sort of like what Steve Kerr said at his press conference, uh, the basketball coach, uh, after the, uh, the shootings. Uh, the last mass, the shootings in Texas. Uh, you remember, Mark, what he said? He goes, I'm just so sick and tired of moments of silence. When are we going to do something about it? And they were playing it. It's being discussed on sports radio, Mark. Thanks to Steve Kerr, I think.
3: And, right. well, and there's some hockey hockey coach or soccer coach yesterday that he was supposed to be having a press conference. And he said he wasn't going to talk about the game at all he's going to talk about yeah. gun gu- gun violence. They yeah. said, you know, and that's it. Nothing else is important. You know, how this player, you know, and so it's 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 it's, it's moving quickly into the sports world um, uh, among influential sports people. Yeah.
0: Well, well I, I you know, yeah. I wish that um, the majority of people who attend um, sporting events, baseball games hockey games, football games, basketball games, I wish they would boycott them uh, and just not financially support them uh, until this country does something about it. I think that that would be uh, a significant uh, statement that where the majority of Americans are is that the country has to do something about it. I don't know how in the world we can label ourselves as a civilized society when we think that or Members of our, our country, uh, our government thinks that it is important. They think that it is important uh, that we allow for people to have, uh, in a civilized society, access to military-style uh, weapons. Yeah. It is insanity uh, that they that they will double down and triple down on defending what is indefensible. Yeah.
2: Uh, And by the way, just to point out, uh, Mark, uh, how far away uh, sports is, far removed from the reality of this, with the handful, as Monroe was pointing out, of a a few athletes or coaches, Uh, this story is breaking. I don't know if either of you had time to see it. The Dallas Cowboys sparked criticism of social media after announcing a marketing agreement with a gun-themed coffee shop that sells blends called, quote, AK-47 Espresso." silencers smoothed and murdered out. So uh, it's, again, once again, there seems to be a divide, uh, Mark, in, in the world of sports on this issue uh, between uh, the the gun cultists uh, and just ordinary citizens. I think here in the Chicago area, uh, largely because a relief pitcher for the White Sox, Liam Hendricks, uh, spoke out about it. Uh, against uh, the proliferation of drugs. And because Steve Kerr used to play for the Bulls, we may be uh, a little, our sports people may be a little more sensitive on the
3: issue. Okay, but you know, the other thing then is that there is this worship mm-hmm. of, of the gun in this yeah. country. I mean, I'm a little bit older than, than you two. Uh, so I, when TV was in its infancy back in the 50s, yeah, TV shows like *The Rifleman*, *Gunsmoke*, and the gun was the thing. Um, I watched this the last uh, a couple of weeks ago. I finally got around to watching the last James Bond movie, yeah. the one where uh, Daniel Craig is retiring after mm-hmm. after it, and they had a gunfight in that movie that was like. Um, uh, So synchronized and so beautiful, as they were just killing up, shooting up. They were shooting up in a casino. They had this woman with the gun, and Bond had his gun, and the villains had their guns, and they were just firing away. You know, and and it it was it was a, a work of art the way they had the killing going on, and that has to have some sort of impact on the subconscious, if not the conscious. And what? and that's where we are as a nation. Yeah. I, I hear you. I know. And I and I.
2: I mean, listen. This gets into Django. Right. I mean, the end of Django is right. I don't know twenty minute choreographed gun shooting, uh, blood splattering, bodies yeah. falling, uh, impossible angles that uh, Jamie Fox is firing from, right. miraculously yeah. avoiding bullets that are lying at him and so i i'm complicit in this one monroe you know how much of times i've seen django and um, starting to rethink it all uh before we depart on this and get to red light cameras which i want to close with mark do you have any thoughts about the impact culture has in general on violence
0: yeah i think that uh it is it's it's a very i think we're in a very sad state of affairs when um and i saw this Coming when they started talking about concealed carry four or five years ago, let everybody have a gun, and it just, you know, um, it it became uh, the couch conversation and the social conversation about people falling in love with going to get their gun as though they were going to get ready to go to a party or something, Uh, they were going to get their new car. Um, uh, falling in love and I said to black folks I said you know uh, I'm not sure why you all are are, are are falling in love with the idea of getting a gun so just to license more cops to kill you right. um, I just uh, I I think that uh, this idea uh, of this addiction to guns I mean it is unbelievable in this country to date to date um that we have uh, 22,602 gun violence death to to date. 12,342 of those were suicides. So guns is not an answer to peace. Why would we take what they did in Australia They made AK-47s cost $47,000. You want an AK-47? It's gonna cost you $47,000. They did a big, huge gun buyback in 1996, buying all assault weapons in Australia because they had 13 mass shootings that year. Mm -hmm. And this was a conservative administration and they had a huge gun buyback. They had 13 mass shootings and since then, they haven't had one mass shooting in Australia since they did a gun buyback of all of so And if you want to have an AK-47 or an AR-15, it's going to cost you $47,000 because that's and what we, the government we had,
3: paid we had, people. Right. We had six mass shootings over the Fourth of July holiday.
0: Yeah. Not to mention we had a mass shooting there in um, uh, uh, Highland Park. But at the same time, we had six people shot on the south side of Chicago, uh, and there's no report of anybody in custody for any one of those shootings.
3: Well, okay, okay Ben, before you, you go to, to the, the right cameras, forward. just yeah. one quick thing I want to point out. Mm-hmm. The, in Akron, Ohio, mm-hmm. where the 25 year old man ended up getting shot 60 times. By, by eight, eight um, Ohio cops, Akron cops, uh, dur- after a, a traffic violation. He had a gun in the back of his car, in the backseat of his car, not on him. And he got shot 60 times. And his having a gun is, is one reason they're pointing to, although they have open carry in Ohio. So it wasn't even illegal for him to have a gun in his car. In the meantime, um, in, I, I think it was Florida, I'm trying to remember, the guy had to shoot out, the white man had to shoot out with the cops. And he killed two cops. Um, and you see his booking photograph, and he has two black eyes, so obviously they beat the living daylights out of him. Cops did, but he's he lives, he's not dead. And, of course, we have um, Highland, where the, the kid um, was just arrested. You know, he didn't resist, and he, he, he didn't even get a bruise, for what we can tell, out of it. Um, black lives don't matter. That's my point. Mm-hmm. And our justice system is not just, for, as far as black people are concerned.
2: Mark, you want to add to anything to that before I switch to red light cameras?
0: I think that he said it all. It's 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 that we have a double system of justice when it relates to guns uh, for black people who are even in the vicinity of a gun uh, or white people who have a gun and have murdered people. And, um, you know, like the guy uh, down in South Carolina, they took him to Burger King because he was hungry. Uh, Yeah, Dylan Ruth, Ruth, who had just slaughtered nine people uh, in a Bible study. Yes,
3: and 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 in fact, uh, there is there's this whole group on uh, internet on the internet of white men, boys, who are into murders and mass murders and what have you. They refer to uh, Dylan Ruth as Saint Ruth. Mm. I mean, he's 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 been elevated. As a result of what he did, and and these guys are are, 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 most of them are incels, and so they they have real problems. Yeah, you you guys know about the incel movement, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, my last comment uh, about this is that do you realize that uh, prior to 1995, no police officer. In the United States, had a semi-automatic weapon. The most powerful weapon that a police officer had was a 38 revolver.
2: I, I was not aware of that
0: until the they lifted the assault weapons ban. Police officers carried it a 38. I talked to some retired police officers who served on police on the police department. 30 years, 25 years, and I asked them, how many times this was, you know, and they all retired 1996 and before. And I asked them, how many times did you have to pull your uh, weapon um, doing any type of, uh, they all said, I've never had to pull my weapon. In 30 years, they never had to draw their weapon.
2: Yeah, no, it's um, uh, it, the worship of the gun. I just in this country uh, is <laughs> it's going to make it very difficult to address any of these problems. Uh, that is for sure. All right, I want to close with the red light camera discussion—a brief one—and uh, Mark Wallace. I'm gonna have to bring you back to take a deeper dive in this because uh, the in some ways the issue is far. How would I put this? Uh, less violent and uh dangerous than what we've been talking about we've been talking about attempted coups we've been talking about americans just slaughtering other americans we've been talking about a willful uh failure to confront obvious wrongs in our society i say this all the time on this show mark whenever i turn back to chicago stuff it's almost like relief it's almost like almost it's like a mindless diversion in you know, Chicago seemed, in comparison to what's going on in uh, the rest of the world. Nonetheless, I am a Chicagoan. I live in Chicago. I obsessively follow Chicago politics. Uh, we have regular discussions on this show about the city council and Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, favorite topics of this show. Generally not when Monroe's on because we talk more about national news, but Monroe's on. Uh, Uh, Mark, you've been leading the charge against the red light camera program in the city of Chicago uh, for a long time. Uh, It looked as though it looked as though the city council was going to take a movement in in your direction. They actually sort of took a movement in your direction, uh, which just inflamed the mayor. And uh, you talk about double standards. I mean, we really uh, we're going to do a a, a deeper dive in this next week. when Dave Goss comes with the city council review. Uh, but they pulled it, deferred publish to postpone Anthony Beal's proposal. <laughs> They've kept that guy locked up. Uh, his ideas locked up. No democracy in the city of Chicago. Won't even entertain it. Put it up for a vote, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. If you uh, lose, you lose. If you win, you win. You want to veto it? Veto it. But the games they play in the city of Chicago uh, to punish anyone who dares to disagree with the mayor. <laughs> it's like I watched it under Mayor Rahm. I watched it under Baby Daily. I watched it under Old Man Daily. That's how old I am, Mark Wallace. Uh, your general thoughts on the red light camera spectacle that uh, that just went down in the city council? Well, my,
0: my, my thoughts is uh, one: uh, Lori Lightfoot is um, a symptom of uh, of the same. She's a different personality uh, in the same position, and they. Democracy is available when it uh, is expedient to them, uh, and it's not available when it's expedient to um, to the democratic process and to the people. Um, and so, um, uh, and that's that's throughout the city council. Uh, I went to Anthony Bill. mayor decided to when the mayor decided to, um, mayor decided to uh, unilaterally, administratively. Uh, lower the threshold from 10 miles an hour to 6 miles an hour. You get a $35 ticket. And I uh, went to Anthony Bill and I said, you know, we cannot allow for this to stand. And will you uh, do something? Will you, you know, uh, bring forth an ordinance uh, to change this? Uh, he said to me, I was waiting for you to call. I, I thought you would call me sooner. Uh, so and that's that. That was over a year ago. Uh, and so. Uh, we he has been trying to get this um, uh, amendment just to get them to put it back uh, to where it was, and uh, of course we've been uh, fighting it and 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 uh, doing press conferences and news um, uh, events about this and getting the channel two, channel seven, and and uh, for the most part to really uncover the real truth uh, about this, and of course. Uh, this, uh, in many ways, uh, is the same approach that you know that the gun-loving uh, legislators, uh, Holy Alliance to the NRA, um, are, are doing. Is what she is doing, uh, and what many members of the City Council are doing with this whole photo enforcement uh, placebo of red light cameras and speed cameras, because. It generates hundreds of millions of dollars. That's exactly what this is about. It does not produce uh, the safety benefits that they try to propagate that they do, Um, but it produces millions of dollars because they won't do the fundamental things that their experts have said that they need to do in order to increase safety. They refuse to do those things, uh, traffic safety, but uh, they will still use this system and try to protect the system because it brings in lots of money. Um, and they will even go so far as to steal your vote and taking the democratic process when they see that it's not going to benefit them.
2: You, you raise a good point. There are alternatives to uh, speed light cameras. In other words, uh, there are things, if you believe that there's a legitimate safety uh, issue, that cars are traveling too fast as they go through residential streets. And I I have this feeling many times, uh, Mark, I think I probably shared this with you because I have this weird obsession. When you're caught in traffic, I know I've said this to you. I say it all the time, a broken record in this subject. Follow me, Mark. So you're caught in a really irritating traffic jam, and you suddenly see that you could turn right, Uh, to get out of a heavily-traveled street. Let's say it's on the north side of Chicago, thinking of Montrose. And you can see that it's just, you get out of this traffic jam, you turn right, suddenly you're, quote-unquote, free. There's no cars in front of you. You're in a residential street. The impulse, boom, kick that, just express your freedom by pushing the accelerator. And I've done this, I confess to you, Mark. Uh, And then I realized, my God, this is a residential street. You know, I mean, it could be a kid run out. I, I huh? calm down, big fella, and uh, I talk to myself often, mark. and um, but if there's a bump, Mark, if they've just put a speed bump, you know what? I curse the speed bump. But guess what I do, Mark? I slow down. Can I see ish. the next bump? I slow right. down again. That's, as far as I'm concerned, it's gonna get me in trouble with all my speed-loving friends, but I really don't care. There should be speed bumps in every residential street in the city of Chicago. Then you wouldn't need Mark. You
3: wouldn't need speed light cameras. I, you're okay. Here, here's the, here's the disagreement. Oh, here we I go, Mark. Speed, I hate speed bumps. Well, oh, there we go. <laughs> and they, they are not good for, let's say, if your house was on fire. And the fire trucks were covered to put it out. The, the speed bumps and bounce it up and down. It, it, every block would not work well for them getting there in time to save your home.
0: Oh, my God. Well, let me say that um, I, I am not a huge proponent um, of speed bumps down streets. I am a proponent of speed bumps in alleys. Um but I think that there are things that they do in other European countries like at intersections at intersections in some European com- uh, countries they have this dip uh, that is a it's a you know uh, a, a, a significant dip that when you come to the intersection uh, mm-hmm. that it forces you to slow down um, now here in, 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 in the city, what where I've noticed where they waste our money and they they uh, every summer they they take like across the um, across the, the entire intersection and they go about 10 feet and then across the width, they dig up two inches of the asphalt and put new asphalt down at many intersections for no apparent reason okay. um, other than to just fulfill a contract. Because uh, I've I've asked why why are they doing it? Are they laying new wire? No, they're not laying any new wire. They're just digging it up two inches and laying new asphalt. But when they dig the two inches up, and for a couple of days, all of the traffic that is traveling over that they have to slow down because they're going to hit that little two-inch bump. Yeah. So th- these are yeah. things that actually work to slow traffic down. The other thing is is that our yellow light times at our intersections are too short, the shortest in the country. Uh, many experts, the Federal Highway Administration, Northwestern University said that the city of Chicago's yellow light times are too short. Increase the yellow light times by uh, a half a second to a second, you'll reduce the chances of, of traffic crashes by 75%. The city of Chicago refuses to do it. Right, uh, why? So, because they generate millions of dollars from these red light cameras. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. are not interested oh, yeah, speed cameras. Yeah. All right. She- the speed cameras have no relations whatsoever. They have no relation whatsoever to the traffic crashes that we have in the city of Chicago. Um. And and so since the mayor reduced the, the threshold from 10 miles an hour down to six miles an hour, there has been no change in traffic crashes at all. Zero. Wow.
2: By the way, uh, Mark Wallace, I got to ask you this question. Uh, how many hearings did Anthony Beale's proposal get? In other words, how many hearings uh, were people were called uh, to testify one way or another, experts called to testify at the pros and cons of raising or lowering uh, the speed limit threshold for speed? How many uh, public hearings were there? Do you know?
0: Well, there was only one. We only had one uh, hearing at the uh, City Council uh, on Finance because they blocked it at every every turn. Yeah. You know, they they blocked it, so it's been blocked. I think three or four times. Okay. Uh, and then when we finally had um, a hearing at at, uh, at finance, it uh, got pushed. We we had a hearing. Uh, Scott Waggersbach at the uh, even at that hearing, we were the fourth item on the agenda. We ended up being, being the seventeenth item. Yeah. Uh, okay. and, and then Scott Waggersbach after the the. Um, after the debate and the uh, the presentation uh, from CDOT and then our testimony uh, and questions from the alderman, uh, he refused to, to have to call the vote then. And so he deferred it from uh, the 16th to the 21st uh, at 10 o'clock. And then at 10 o'clock he gaveled it in and then uh, recessed it until three o'clock. And then they had what they were not supposed to have was their own, they brought these safe passage people who didn't know what they were talking about in uh, and gave them scripts that they couldn't read uh, to say how great the uh, speed cameras were. Uh, but at the end of that, uh, the uh, city the city council members uh, still voted 16 to 15 uh, to take it to the floor for a vote oh. uh, on the 22nd, of, of which time they deferred and published it. Um, to the next city council meeting, which will happen on July 20th.
2: Hey Mark, that was not an innocent question when I asked you that question. That was a, really a maneuver on my part, playing judge for the defense, setting up for the cross-examination. Because the point is, I have now, on the Ben Jarovsky show, had as many hearings on this issue as Lori Lightfoot city council has. I love you dearly, Scotty Waggisback, but I just got to point that out. Uh-huh. This is a very important issue in the city of Chicago. Now, I realize it's not the insurrection on January 6th. I realize it's not an attempted coup. I realize it's not turning a blind eye to carnage going on. But it's a very important issue that deals with safety in the public streets, the policing in the public streets, and, Mark, to your point, how we finance government. This is a regressive tax on people who could least afford to pay it because we're too chicken in this city to enforce a real tax on rich people. That's me talking, not Mark Wallace.
0: So, well, it's that? also it's, it's also bigoted, too, because the study that they commissioned themselves, the city of Chicago commissioned the study to come out of the University of uh, Illinois at Chicago and the University of Illinois at Chicago provided this study to the mayor in January of 2020 and, sh- and showed that red light camera and speed camera tickets are ticketing black communities at twice the rate oh. that they do white communities.
2: That is, that's like with the bicycle thing. We at Troy LaRavie comes on the show all the time. We, it's one of our... We talked about this obsessive... So many tickets for breaking bicycling laws. I'm not making this up, Mark. Written in black neighborhoods and yeah. as opposed to Lincoln Park. And someone came on the show and I didn't verify it. Verified. I always like to... Unlike Tucker Carlson, uh, Mark, I like to deal with reality. But someone came on this show and said there are no red light cameras in Lincoln Park. Do you know if that's true or not?
0: There are no red light cameras in uh, Lincoln Park in uh, Michelle Harris's ward. She doesn't have any red light cameras. She doesn't have any uh, Smith. Uh, She doesn't have any speed cameras. Uh, And we just found out that there's booting is only allowed to take place in two thirds of the wards in the city of Chicago. So there are some wards that you can't even boot a car in.
2: See, so this kind of information should be presented to the people of Chicago. But they want to keep you stupid, people. They want your money. They don't want to inflame, apparently, people in the 43rd Ward or the north side of Chicago, where one of my guests, I think, lives. Uh, And uh, just teasing. Uh, And um, so they stifle the debate. And part of me is just a process person, uh, Mark. You know, I'm like, well, let's hear pros and cons. Let's let's hear. Like, I would come and testify for speed bumps. Monroe would come and testify that no, that we got to get the. They would impede the progress of fire engines. I would laugh and scoff at Monroe. He would laugh and scoff at me. But at least have a debate and a discussion.
0: <laughs> they do everything they can to keep you in the dark. Go ahead well i think that uh uh, alderman hopkins i think his name is bernard hopkins brian brian uh, brian hopkins he made the point in the city council finance meeting that he he's in favor of using um technology he's in favor of it however he says we cannot do things that the public does not trust. And we are using this system in a way that the public just doesn't trust it, which is why he said that he's voting with Anthony Bill, because it's, it's being done in a way that the public doesn't trust it. Which, to your point, is let's have an open discussion and an open debate about it, because the, the, uh, the, the facts are that over 75 percent of people polled don't like this system. And for good reason, because the system number one does not provide safety. The reason why Chicago has the the largest red light camera program than any other municipality in the country, the number one reason was because of a, of a corrupt, colluded um, uh, between collusion between John Beale, who was the deputy. Uh, Chicago Department of Transportation Commissioner at the time, and Karen Finnery, who was the CEO of Redflex, who said, John, if you, for every camera that you get installed in the city of Chicago, we'll give you 1,500 bucks. Well, he ended up getting more than $2.5 million uh, as a result of helping them become the largest red light camera contract in the United States of America. We ended up with 384. A later study showed that more than 40% of the cameras that were installed should never have been installed in the first place because they only had one or zero traffic crashes in a 12-month period.
2: All good. right, we'll leave it there. By the way, I just have to make, say one last thing. Uh, Obviously, I never knew this. Mark Wallace is a boxing fan, uh, confusing Brian Hopkins, the ultimate of the second ward with uh, Bernard Hopkins, one of the great middleweights uh, of this century. Uh, And I'm now going to really resist the temptation to talk about Deloy uh, Hopkins (laughs) uh, and other great Bernard Hopkins fights. Uh, Retired, but not forgot the great uh, Bernard Hopkins. Mark Wallace, thank you so much for coming on the show and putting up with me. Uh and Thank I really you. appreciate it. Uh and Monroe every Wednesday comes on the show, dear friend of mine, Monroe Anderson. Uh he was uh, he may have been the forty third ward resident that I was uh alluding to uh when I
3: made my I'm, comments. I, I, I've I have been redlined into the second <laughs> four <before> now. <laughs> a with Bernard
0: Hopkins. <laughs> Wait a minute. don't you live in Lincoln Park? Yeah. Yes. Okay. No, no, yeah, that was say, why I was okay, speaking okay, that in
3: there. Let me, let me explain this to you quickly.
2: Go ahead. This block, is, I love this story. Go ahead.
3: Okay, my block has the president of the Sheffield Neighbors Association, lives on it, and Michelle doesn't like him. So in the remap, <laughs> the, the block to the north of me and the block to the south of me is at the 43rd. The... The block the the house across the street, the houses across the street from me on 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 the east side of the street just my block in and of itself is now in the second
0: war <laughs> all yeah. because she doesn't like one person yeah yeah yes. <laughs> amazing man, yes. man.
2: welcome to Chicago Mark. <laughs> right, that exactly. is. A- I love that story. That is a great story. Uh, The remap process of the city of Chicago. Uh, By the way, before I go, Mark, are you a fight fan? Are you a boxing fan?
0: Uh, I I am a Muhammad Ali fan. I'm not much of a boxing fan uh, uh, in today's. uh, I guess the older I get, the less uh, 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 appeal that I have to boxing just because of the sheer uh, violence of it and and, and what the I have seen it, the done, that it it, the yeah. damage that is done to boxing, uh, boxers over the years. So I'm, right. I'm, I'm, not a boxing fan.
2: Got it. Fair enough. Uh, but, uh, that Bernard Hopkins, man, that brought me back, uh, to, uh, I guess the nineties and the O's. All right. Very good. Mark Wallace, Monroe Anderson. Thank you very much for being on the show. I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. Uh, <laughs> Back home in Alton, as uh, Mark Wallace and Monroe will tell you, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for Marvelous. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody.